Hey everybody, it's time for another Shop Talk show. We have an amazing episode where we're going to be talking about, you know how we all like have computers that like have little pixels that light up and they can change colors and stuff? Those They can like be arranged and told to do instructions and stuff such that it appears what? as if animation is actually happening. Like you can make like a little frog hop across your screen. It's just like one of those things that computers can do. But like now that we have those powers, how do we be responsible with them? How do they make them serve us? We're going to be talking about that stuff with two guests that are super almost overqualified to be talking about it with us. Uh, but we'll get there uh, in just a minute. This show is is brought to you in part by Media Temple, the the web host of Shop Talk Show and of CSS Tricks and lots of my projects over time. My hosting company of choice that have a wide array of of, of hosting options for you, starting at like WordPress specific hosting and going all the way up to like give me the most powerful raw box ever and I'll do stuff with it. Check them out at MediaTemple.net and stay tuned. I have a, they have some upgrades to a service that I think is relevant to Shop Talk show listeners. And this episode of Shop Talk is brought to you in part by Braintree Payments. Mobile app development can be complex, but integrating your payments no longer has to be with Braintree. Your business can accept nearly every type of payment from any device with just one integration. Learn more at braintreepayments.com slash shop talk. Dave, please, sir, kick things off. Hey there, Shopper Maniacs. You're listening to another episode of the Shop Talk Show podcast, all about front end web design and development. I am Dave Rupert, and with me is Chris Coyer. That's right. And as I teased at, the, uh, uh, teased at the top of the show, I wonder if animation can be a tease. Oh my God, I said the word animation. That's kind of the, <laughs> the key word. Slime falls on my head, or whatever happens in the 90s. I, <laughs> I have, um, it, actually, it was, it, was Val, it was, I have with me Val Head. Hi, Val. Hi. Hi. It was Val's idea for the show, is what I was about to say, kind of, because Val is is neck deep in animation always, and so we'll talk about that in a minute. We also have Sarah Drasner. Hi, Sarah. Hello. Animation specialists. <laughs> I was worried you're going to say that my uh, I, the slime was my idea, and then I was going to be a bit concerned. <laughs> yeah, Val, we're, we need a good slime effect for the Shop Talk site. Yeah. Uh, by the end of the day, I think would be... <laughs> Really, really key. You might have to do that thing where in SVG you can apply the two filters, like the the contrast mm-hmm. and blur, and then you get yeah, the kind of like lava lamp thing going on. Yeah, oh, yeah. it's That'd a be good slime. It's good for goo. That's a good goo SVG goo <laughs> filter. So I think it's only good for goo. Like it's, it's only purpose, really. I'm I'm already lost, so this is going to be a great show. <laughs> <laughs> lava lamp, Dave. Picture it. It can happen on the web. I'm, <laughs> okay, let's let's dig in. Let's dig a little deeper. So, what's the um, Val? Do you have a you have a book coming out right on the on this subject? I do, I do. It's all about um, animation and like how we can use it in useful ways and interfaces, and also a bit about like how to document it and prototype and like you know get it as part of your design process because it's really hard to use otherwise. Like if you're not kind of integrating it into all the things you do, it's just never going to work out well. So it's not a secret, the book. No, no, it's not a secret. Do you have a name? Um, the title may have just changed to Meaningful Motion. Oh, um, MM, love it. Yeah, because that sounds catchier than designing yeah. interface animations. Uh, but yeah, it's going to be out on Rosenfeld Media, hopefully very soon this summer. So yeah. That's aw- Is it really Rosenfeld? Because we just had yeah. another offer from Rosenfeld on, and we're getting Mr. Rosenfeld on soon to talk about tech publishing. So, yeah, we're having a little Rosenfeld tour, I guess, which is okay with me because their books are phenomenal, I think. Uh, so, so wonderful. Congratulations on the book, and Thanks. maybe we can talk a little bit more about it. And, and, and Sarah, you, um, we work together a, a little bit on CSS tricks. I mean, you have, like, a real job, too, right? <laughs> Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, you're you're like one of three of my bosses. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, 
Um, yeah, and I'm also making a book on animation for O'Reilly. Uh, ooh. That's going to be cool. Yeah, there's plenty to say about the subject, so that's great. Two two new book authors on the subject of animation, and 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 are at Trulia, which I know because I've literally seen your desk. <gasps> yes, <laughs> that's true. That's true. I have a really really nice office, so that's that's a big perk of working here mm-hmm. in San Francisco. <laughs> I'm in it right now, actually. <laughs> oh, nice. I've always doubted whether you really worked there because I haven't seen your desk. <laughs> yeah, that's that's right. Everybody has to see it for real to know that it's true. Yep. <laughs> Old fake business card, Sarah. We've been. <laughs> but uh, Sarah, it, it's Trulia, but it's you know Trulia is part of you know I know it's complicated, right? Because people also think of Zillow, but now those things are kind of the same thing, but they're still different things. I don't know, but it's basically real estate related stuff, right? And enormous. Yeah, yeah, like Zillow is uh, actually acquired Trulia, and so we are the same company. Um, We have different outward faces, and like you can use us in different ways, but basically we're the same company, like serving people for real estate needs on the web. Yeah, it was like when it was like when SurveyMonkey bought Wufu. We're like, but you can use Wufu to make surveys too. Complicated, but it works out in the end. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, but and then and then you know you are a front ender there and implement things and and think about animation and and probably have a style guide there. Yeah, I'm a I'm a manager of UX design and engineering. So basically, like I um, own the components library. So like the Trulia's version of Bootstrap, and so I I basically like am in charge of making the style guides and all of the like CSS JavaScript components on the site. So that's like a good place to integrate things like animation. Yeah. Okay. So Sarah's in uh, has a massive job of being in charge of the style guide, the you know, the bootstrap strap of Trulia and mentioned the idea of making animation a part of that, which I feel like is a relatively new concept to the you know, style guides themselves are feel relatively new to the web, at least. And I found out recently, well, at a conference at this Clarity, this which was a, a style guides conference, which uh, uh, maybe you, you all heard of. It was it was pretty cool. It was kind of the first conference of its kind that was focused on style guides, I think. And we learned from kind of the inventor of print style guides in a sense that even those aren't that old, really. So this whole com- this whole like idea of having a kind of a set of rules or a set of go-to guidelines for that kind of guide design, guide style. <laughs> oh, only I thought that was funny, I guess. Let's just reverse the two words. Uh, uh, is 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 relatively new, and then and then and then adding animation to that is like even newer concept. Yeah, I mean it's kind of the same concept because it's like um, keeping kind of parity across all different devices and screens, and so that you don't have a modal that's like popping up one second and flying out to the right the next. And Val talks about that a lot at conferences too, um, just kind of like retaining that. So there's the like designy bit of like figuring out what that motion is, and then there's the implementation part as well so that gets into the code which is nice so yeah yeah. it's like you can the same i mean putting animation in the style guides is very similar for the whole reason why you do you know anything in style guides it's like you spend all this time making these like decisions on very specific or individual animations and if you document that somewhere then you don't have to make those same decisions again later right you can just be like oh here's the short list of like easing functions that we use so i will use one of those and that just took me 2 seconds instead of like 3 hours and then you get the added bonus that sarah's talking about of where like by having these shared things that you use suddenly everything kind of feels similar across like every site or app or device just because you, you know, kind of standardize what it is that you're doing and what you're saying with motion. So it's pretty win-win. Yeah. I think also like for companies like Trulia, where we have different devices, we have like um, iOS and Android and web, and they're not all coded in the same language. In fact, they're different languages. Um, It becomes, if you have good documentation for your animations, then people can write it in a different language and it can still be consistent, which is super rad. Yeah, and that's like that's. I think that's a. Um, I mean, it sounds like a hard challenge, but I don't think it's super unique. I think there's a lot of other companies that are also looking at that that may have like an app and a site, and like how do you make those feel similar? 
And basically, it's through your design choices, and animation can be a big one that helps tie that together. Not an easy thing, though. <laughs> okay, so that's the that's the topic at hand, at least for for some of the show is that is that putting animation into a style guide period. You mentioned one thing already. What is, I mean, I'd like to set the stage for what that looks like and feels like, and how you use it, and how you document it and stuff. One of the things that was already uh, uh, mentioned was something like making variables for easing. Even that feels like probably could use a little explanation. Yeah, yeah. I was um, working with Shopify recently, helping them put together a motion style guide. And that was kind of one of the first things, or one of the things we wanted to have in the end. And we kind of started it super early and then changed it a lot as we went uh, of just having this like a short list of, you know, easings that we wanted to use for specific reasons and then setting, you know, like a set of SAS variables that was like, here are the ones that are available to you that are super easy. Just go and pick like, you know, custom ease in or custom whatever. Um, And those were the variables that you could use across all the animations. And then you're all pulling from that same pool, um, which is a pretty like, I guess, systematic way to do it. Yeah. And I think like um, even just having, a standard entrance and exit. Like Val, Val talks about that a lot too. Um, that um, one step, you know, once you have the kind of like ease in, ease out, you typically use one of those eases for an entrance and one for an exit. So even if it's a different type of animation, they're kind of like coming in and out using the same ease every time. So even if they're not literally moving, it might be, I mean, the in and out is an abstract idea, right? It could be literally sliding in, or it could be just changing state from one to the other would be in and then back would be out. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And it helps a lot to have like a visual representation of these two. Like we ended up putting together actually a little code pen pen. Is that what you call them? Pens? Anyway, that's th- what I've been calling yeah. them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We made a code pen pen um, that, like, you know, actually just using little blocks showed little uh, showed examples of each one of those easings, and then also gave an example of like when you would use them, like you know the ones that would be used for entrances, one for exits, one that might be better for like a high energy, Im- high impact, you know, whether that's like an alert message or something that should call more attention to itself. So, kind of finding this collection that had um, was a set collection, but also there was some variance in there, and you had some options for, you know, kind of having a hierarchy and standing out a little bit or blending in a little bit, depending on what you needed to do. Yeah. And at, at, at Trulia, we have these docs that um, actually g- generate the code. So they're like a living style guide. It's called hologram. Um, so uh, basically, like any type of code that you write, you can have an example just there on the page because it outputs to that example. Um, but one in particular, since our our docs are kind of proprietary. Um, one example in particular that I thought was really good that isn't our site is the documentation for mo.js by Lego Mushroom. Oh, yeah. He has this like page of animations and transitions that he kind of demos how you can pass an SVG path into the ease and has these beautiful pens that show the ease and the output at the same time. And it's really, really effective. Yeah, I remember looking at that. It's kind of a, I don't know, I mean, hopefully people understand easing at all, right? But you can picture like a Bezier curve or whatever. So like if you're changing from red to green, like maybe it starts really slowly turning to green at first and then speeds up at the end. And that, that like has a certain feel to it, right? It literally mm-hmm. just like, it feels like, Whoa! you know, and that just has a, has a way to it. And you like feel perhaps more satisfied at the end because it really feels like, Oh, it hit that wall pretty good, which is the exact opposite of like, Whoa. <laughs> Which is, just, yeah, I think I think a lot of people talk about eases in terms of sound effects. Like a I lot just, of times, I'll describe eases yeah. with like. Ah, you know? I was just I was appreciating that you also described them that way. <laughs> but yeah, there there is a different feel depending on whether you do like an ease in or an ease out, and like those are keywords we have in CSS, which conveniently map to cubic Bezier functions. But then we can make our own cubic Bezier functions to kind of tweak that, right? Like an ease out. Um, you know, it start fast and end slow as it eases out of its motion. Did I do that right? Anyways, oh, it, it's, you know, it slows down at the end to like approach its destination. Um, but you can change how that that speed changes and how fast it slows down, how quickly it starts slowing down, all by adjusting your own curve. And that's where you can get those. You know, the way you can really communicate with the motion you're using is by adjusting that stuff and you know intentionally planning it out. 
Yeah, and I'd say that like a little tip for the shop talk show listeners is that like you'd probably think that you want to use an ease in for an entrance and an ease out for an exit, but it's actually usually the opposite. Yeah. Um, that that one is that one like took me a little while to figure out. So I thought I'd save let's, other people. Let's dig time. into that for one second. Let's say <laughs> yeah. the animation happens to be like a slide from top modal or something. That's just one that like comes to mind as like a pretty common like thing to animate. Is that you? So my guess would be that it's 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 oh, I, I can't remember the one that like stops abruptly when it falls down, or maybe not. Maybe it, it feels sort of to come in quickly and then slide slowly into place. Which one would that be? Yeah. Yeah, that's like ease out. You're kind of coming in a little bit faster and then you're like presenting yeah. at the end. Yeah, like basically sort of like easing into its like destination. It knows exactly where it's going. But yeah, those, those ease ins can be a little tough on exits and things because they tend to start slower, like you're easing into the motion. So you know, you, if you click a thing and it slowly starts moving and then speeds up, that can just feel a bit awkward because you have that like split second of wait, did I really click that? Is it really working? <laughs> Um, but the ease outs that start faster, that's just like instantly in motion. And you're like, okay, I got it. Like these are, it's like, it's a very subtle thing, but especially over a number of animations, it can start making a difference and feel like it's hesitating. So that's why even though it's easing in, you probably don't want to do that to go in necessarily. So you kind of want to start strong and then putter out sort of like the shop doc show. <laughs> yeah, just like the shop talk. Yeah, just... <laughs> okay, okay. Good. Put that in your book. So if we're talking about CSS and we're still talking about easing a little bit, there is ease in and there ease out. I have to admit that I rarely reach for either of those actual keywords. I'll, I, you know, well, I'll tell you later how never I use cubic bezier and probably should. But the in CSS, the default easing, if you say nothing at all, is a keyword called ease. But there's also ease in out. So, like, what is ease exactly? Like, ease you know, is a what variation that cubic... of ease in out. Like, uh, the keywords are interesting in a sense because, like, you can say something is easing in, and you don't necessarily mean ease in the CSS keyword. And kind of any curve with that same shape, you could call in general an ease in. So the ease keyword in CSS, you'll notice it has a similar shape to the ease in out. And I think it's in is just a little bit of a shorter slowdown um, than the ease in out. Like the curve is just slightly shaped a little bit differently for the ease. Well, how do you feel about the default CSS ease? Because it's probably this massive chunk of the of the internet's CSS animations use it because it's the default. Can you just can you spot it from a mile away now? You're like, ugh, default. Or is it? <laughs> or do you think did they nail it? Or is it like pretty good for a default? I think it's an interesting choice because most animation tools, the default is linear which generally just looks awful because it's, you know, a constant speed from start to finish never slows down or, or anything, or which is like impossible in normal life. So it just looks odd. So it's interesting that CSS picked a default that actually is an, e an ease in out. So it has that speed change by default, unless you essentially take it away yeah. or change it. I wonder I what the landscape of animation would be like if, if the opposite choice was made. Because I think people would realize how like totally ugly linear is and then maybe they'd be like it would have bred a more a culture of picking custom ones more like handcrafted artisanal yeah animation <laughs> oh yeah i mean i talk a lot about easing and branding like um i think that you know that idea I, I that idea is like kind of an interesting one because yeah maybe people would be a little bit more purposeful with their eases which i think uh, like I, I tend to think is a really good thing. Like if you are a stoic bank kind of company, I think you should have like a little bit more serious of an ease, like a little like signed easing where it's like, okay, we're progressing along this path. And then if you work at a company like Wufu, like you mentioned before, which has like a little more playful branding then bounce eases make a lot more sense. Um, a bounce ease on a bank site would be like, why are you guys playing around with yeah, the Yeah, it really would feel off. <laughs> <laughs> like the energy just isn't the same, right? Like banks are all like, I don't know, serious big marble counter things and you know, not the bouncy energy just like doesn't fit. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. 
Um, but yeah, I think being purposeful with your eases is always a good thing. And I even talk about like being, uh, you know, keeping your eases consistent and then having an accent for something that draws attention. Like, um, if you are working on a form and you have a couple of eases in there, if you have everything be kind of a consistent signed ease and the only time you ever show a bounce is when you're confirming something, it kind of works in the same way that palettes work like you use all green on a site and then a big orange button for your call to action it's kind of like whoa that was different i guess i should pay attention to that oh i see um, it's the same kind of thing it's picking a different color or picking it like w- different angle like anything that's like a break from the what everything else is calls attention to itself and you can even do that with direction too like if everything moves in left to right and then you have one thing that goes right to left like even that can be enough to cause some contrast it's a direction, sure. Yeah, like thinking about animation in the same way we think about color, or I like to make um, the, the type connection. Like even thinking about it the same way we t- think about type, I think is a really good way to approach it. So we do a lot of the same things, right? Like type can just be there to like exist and show the letters of your content, or you can pick a typeface that actually says something about your content or your brand. And animation is very much the same way. You can just be like, I'll toss a default ease on it. There we go. It animated in. What more do you want? <laughs> or you could like design that to have easing that has the same energy and like kind of speaks the same language as your brand. And Val, you have a really, I, I got to like sneak preview, read Val's book, which was an honor. Um, <laughs> and <clears throat> Val, you talk a bit in your book about like how animation can actually help with, you know, the performance of something like a loader, like that people will wait longer for certain loaders than others and, and things like that. So it's not just like kind of the sugar on top. It's actually something that like can make your website perform better too. Yeah. I like, I like to use dessert metaphors and you know, you don't want (laughs) who doesn't, but if you, you know, if you leave animation to the end and just think of it as decoration, it's just the icing on the cake, but you kind of want animation in the entire cake. Like it has to be, you want it to be part of the design to be most effective and also cake. Hopefully that <laughs> happens more and more because it, it, it seems like, I don't know, like, I, I don't know who it was. Maybe it was at the, be- I also read the beginning of Val's book. Uh, there was some kind of like, it was also, it was also kind of like animation has arrived is kind of a, 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 a thing at the moment. You know, like it, it feels like it's been a while for those of us who have been like, playing with CSS animations or something. It's not like brand new, but it's it's kind of like the tooling is now here, not just for CSS, but it just it feels like okay, enough time has elapsed since we've been playing around with animation. It is like a thing we can do on the web now. And because of all of the benefits of it and because like we have a screen like that's one of the big advantages of of having a screen for design. We should probably be using this stuff uh, not just because we can, but because it like communicates was one of your points, I think, in the book. Exactly. It's. I feel like the attitude for it might not be a tech thing, but just so much like the attitude of like designers and developers. I feel like everyone's in general, like the industry, I guess, is kind of coming around to realizing like it's not just skip intros and banner ads. We can do something real and meaningful with this. Um, I kind of think responsive design has a bit to do with it too, because we're all looking for those things that can tie all of those various like viewport sizes together and make it still feel like you're using the same mm. product or same site. Um, you know, things like animation, animation can be one of those things that helps tie that together because you can use it across all those sizes. So I don't know. I'm not exactly sure what sparked it, but I really like that there's more interest and discussion about using it effectively and just using it as like a design tool as part of your design effort, as opposed to like just this thing that you throw on top for kicks yeah, and I think you can, <clears throat> like you like what you were saying, I think you can really tell the difference between an animation that was added at the end, and that's why I think it has a bad rap sometimes, mm-hmm. because when you slap it on the at the end, it feels additive. It feels like you're waiting for to get through this thing in order to, you know, move on to the next. But I have a couple of pens that kind of show the, a context-switching animation, so like keeping the context of one thing as it moves, and I think it's like hard to explain over the air, but if you see them, you can see how like when something is transitioning so that you can keep spatial awareness for a page, you really start to understand that you couldn't have written that page and that website with putting it on on top later. Like it has to be baked into the development process to really be effective. Mm. Um, 
And like some of the performance things, like you when you're waiting for an interface to respond because you're making an AJAX request or some sort of database thing is happening behind the scenes, animation can make that time feel faster. So it can make you it feel more performant as well. Yeah, the folks at uh, Vigit did some studies on that. And I think Facebook released some sort of like semi-study information about loaders as well. And I thought Vigit's was super interesting where they... Um, they were kind of pitting, you know, generic loaders against custom animated loaders and seeing, you know, which ones people would wait the longest for. It was a tiny bit, I don't know, mean, I guess, because they were just showing loaders. They were actually not waiting for anything. They were just seeing how long people would watch these loaders. Um, But it was really interesting how they found, you know, these more custom loaders, people would tend to wait longer for them because it just, I guess maybe, I'm not sure if it was because it was more interesting. I don't know if they really came down to an exact reason why, but that's what they found. Um, I think it might have to do a lot with just like the care of designing something custom. Um, the difference that you're not looking at the same stupid spinner you've seen a million times and has already let you down in like every other app you've seen it in. Like, I feel like there might be some of that going on. Um, but it's pretty interesting the kinds of things they found about loaders and how long people will wait depending on what it looks like and what they're watching. This episode of Shop Talk is brought to you in part by Braintree Payments. By next year, maybe even next week, there could be a whole new way to pay. Maybe it will be the next Bitcoin, the next Apple Pay, maybe even both. Fortunately, Braintree's full-stack payment platform is easily adaptable to whatever the future holds, so you can easily adapt too. You know, new payment method comes out, you're already using Braintree, boom, you support it out of the box. Pretty cool. Except everything from pounds to PayPal to that next big innovation from any device with just one integration. When that new payment method comes out, all you have to do is update a few lines of code. No late nights, no complete recoding. No stress about staying ahead of the curve. Braintree Payments is here to help. Learn more at braintreepayments.com slash shop talk and check out their SDK. It's in tons of different languages. Definitely the language that you're writing in. I almost promise you uh, elegant code, clear documentation. Braintreepayments.com slash shop talk. So I have a challenge question. Challenge question. Yeah. Uh, so uh, the, the idea that that animation is not an enhancement; it is very much it is like a core piece, like a necessary functionality. What I mean, where does that put you know older browsers, IE eight, or where does that put you know really crappy Android phones, <laughs> like like su- sub powered you know GPUs and things like that? Where I, I guess where does that fall if if they need to have first class support because that's a very real condition in my line of work. I like the way Jeremy Keith talks about it. I just, I just, um, you know, with his idea of progressive enhancement, where like your core functionality needs to be present everywhere, and you have to be able to be done on all of these devices, regardless of how old or semi powerless they are. Um, and you, then you kind of layer things in on top of that. Um, so in in that sense, he would still call animation an enhancement. But his whole point is that like the enhancements aren't just this extra nice to have thing. They are also part of the functionality. It's just that the very core thing, the main purpose your site or app exists for is always accessible and always can be used no matter what. And then you kind of add more helpful things layering on top as you go. So no one gets left out, but people with the most, most capable devices get you know the most experience. Yeah, I'm nodding vig- vigorously over here. <laughs> Hashtag nodding vigorously. It seems like a in the grand scheme of progressive enhancement, it seems like animation is usually among the easier things to progressive enhance because the progressive and deg- or the graceful degradation is it doesn't animate, which is like not ideal, but not well, that big of a deal. But on a on like an older Android browser is gonna just animate at like two FPS. Oh uh, you know. <laughs> yeah, I think in, in the I guess in, in those cases, you kind of have to like be actively intervent- interventing, <laughs> interventing. Yeah. Uh-huh. interventing with that. <laughs> have you heard of uh, user agent testing, Dave? I think that's the way forward. Oh, I don't know. I'm, I'm just, I'm just curious how how it plays out in real world scenarios. Challenge question. Well, I, I actually think that it, like it's kind of surprising how well it is supported. Like I've been pleasantly surprised as I've been like working with so much of this stuff. I think GSAP has really good far back support for like really old IE 
browsers and like some of the cross browser things that they do with SVG really helps it stay stable on a lot of most uh, mobile devices. So, um, and CSS too, CSS is actually like really nicely performing on a lot of things. So like, I, I think the, the answer is twofold, right? Like progressive enhancement is awesome, especially because a lot of times that if it's not animating, it's just like what it would be like if it wasn't animating. Um, but the other part of that is that it's more performant than you'd think it is really. Yeah. I'm just thinking of like the, 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 maybe the listener here who, who's works at a bank, you know, a, a stuffy bank and is just like, yeah, I can't use this by throw <laughs> delete or something <laughs> like how, how, I guess, you know, what, what are their options for injecting? And we actually have a, a question from Melanie in the chat room. Uh, how do you do elegant grown up subdued without feeling stuck? stuffy like generally animation is associated with energy and even using the word animation in enterprise environment uh makes people nervous like visibly nervous so how i guess how do you like kind of how do you i don't know how do you kind of calm fears and inject this this idea of animation well i mean i think showing yeah yeah i think showing it instead of telling is really helpful like anytime that i'm like trying to introduce an animation concept to anybody and I explain it, it, it never goes quite as well as if I can show it. Um, and I think the key to that subtlety really is like for the first little while, I spend a lot of time adjusting timing and then I'll put it away for a little while and go look at it again. Because if I get too deep into it, it's hard for me to see how subtle it is and how not subtle it is. And then if I kind of step away for a minute, I see it with new eyes and say, oh, yeah, that one part at the end needs to be like a little bit nicer and more soft. Um, so I think like the, the answer there being for me working like working on it, stepping away and seeing it again. And then also like for people who are stakeholders, really small prototypes, which is why I'm such like I uh, love code pen all the time because I think it's really nice for like small prototypes that you show a group of people without building the entire site out like that. Yeah, I love it for that too. I totally stole one of Sarah's ideas where she showed me a prototype she made that was just like a little icon animation that was like set over a screenshot for the context. And that is so effective at, you know, getting oh, people on clever. board with the idea. Yeah, so, you, you know, you have the right context. It's just a screenshot, but you animate that tiny bit you are like planning to animate. Um, and even if it's not quite so tiny, you know, it gives that feel like it's almost real. And then they're like, Oh, I get it. I see what you're trying to do. Uh, that's clever. Yeah. I've, I've worked in design environments where that was what was common too. like take a screenshot and bring it into Photoshop and then just Photoshop over that one area that you're trying to change. You don't need a, you don't need like a working Photoshop copy of every single thing in there, you know, and this is the same kind of thing. That is good. I like it. Hot. Yeah, tips. it's a really it's, it's a really good idea because you can just put that together really quickly. Um, and I was doing, when I was uh, working on the project with Shopify that I mentioned, we were doing these design reviews for the animations. And I'd put together like four, three or four variations of like one particular like entrance and exit all that way. And I could put them together fairly quickly. We could do a design review and talk about them, get, you know, all the various creative directors and folks, their input on it. And then it was really easy to like iterate on that further because it was just such a, a fast way to put it together, right? Like if I'd spent hours and hours putting those together and they were like, oh, it's terrible, then you'd be sad. Um, <laughs> but, you know, having these, this quick way of prototyping, then it's okay if you're like, oh, that wasn't the right direction. That doesn't have the right energy. It doesn't match what we wanted to say. Because if you only spent like an hour on it, you can throw it away and try something else and not be like, you know, ruin your day. One thing I've heard you both say are words like tiny and subtle. Um, kind of, and I'm wondering, is that the key to good animation? Because I, I get a lot of people who, or, or I've been in chats where it's like, oh, did you not see how awesome this website was? Like the, the Milwaukee police officer loaded his shotgun as you scrolled and it was amazing, you know, and, and my, like, I'm just like clawing my desk, but like, so I'm hearing tiny and subtle, I guess, what is your opinion on how much animation is is enough or what's too much? 
That's really case by case, I think, because like some, there are some sites like, you know, some places make giant, amazing websites for movies where like the only reason that website is there is to like, wow you. Um, and they're not trying to like make you click a button or get your information or any of that kind of stuff. So like in that case, like, yeah, do it up. Um, other cases, there are some like, you know, nice, like fast company magazine and things like that, that do like a couple like strange little sidebar things that make people share the article more. It's like, Hey dude, did you see how this crumbles on the side? Um, I, you know, that, that one kind of goes either way. I think it can like fall into the area where it's over the top and it can fall into the area where it makes people want to share the article more. Um, but then for like a lot of use cases, what you really need is just like somebody clicked a button, let them know that something happened, you know, <laughs> um, which is a lot more subtle than like, we've got a life of pie. And <laughs> there's tigers. <laughs> and I, yeah, I totally agree. The context has so much to do with it. But also, you know, when you look at something where the animation is just like part of, you know, it's there to help you out. It has a purpose, a reason. It's there to alert you to something. It's there to help the task flow or something. Those animations are kind of more subtle by default. You know what I mean? Like they're there and they're not in your way. They're actually doing something useful for you. So sometimes you don't even notice it. You know, that whole idea of like invisible design, you can also have invisible animation. It's just like so good. You kind of miss that it was animation. Um, which not every animation is necessarily, but I think the ones that are really well designed, maybe if you saw them in isolation, you wouldn't think they were subtle at all. Um, you know, like Stripe Checkout has like some 3D like rotations and all sorts of a little bit of bounciness going on. And if you saw those alone, you might be like, oh, too much, too much. But when you see it in context of that checkout flow, it's, you know, some people don't even notice it's there because it's just so ingrained in the design. So context yeah, is all the things. <laughs> And especially in the case of something like Stripe, Stripe's Checkout, where the alternative is popping multiple modals in your face, instead of doing that, they're like moving things out of the way and showing you other things. That's nice for the user. That's like I don't I don't want like multiple things popping and popping and popping. Like I I would really like things to just kind of like move out of the way so something else can tell me new information. That seems like a really really good use for animation. All right, we have definitely more to talk about here, but right in the I will uh, I will I will break for a sponsor really quick here. Media Temple is one of our sponsors here on Shop Talk Show and and host our site with with one of the many options of, 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 of choices for hosting that they offer. One of the things that's cool is that you can kind of. Uh, um, uh, pick a hosting plan and then like add things on as you need it. Like, do you need a CDN? Okay, oh, cool. Add that on there. Do you need a firewall? Cool. Put that on there. Oh, do you need like extra special support help to do complicated server hosting configuration stuff? Cool. Just add that on as like a bonus thing as you need it, uh, which is pretty cool. So one of the things that you might be familiar with is they have uh, VPS, you know, like, like virtual private hosting is, is the idea, which is kind of like I don't know. You get your own box. You can like you can like command line into the box and do things, but you can also manage that box with some software too, which is kind of nice. I feel like there's there's two kinds of people in this world. There's cPanel people and there's Plesk people, which is I don't know, maybe totally inaccurate, but those are like the two like like server management GUIs out there that like I feel like once you get comfortable with one of them you just kind of prefer it forever. I've always been a Plesk person but they've had a bunch of upgrades to those software which is kind of a big deal for those of you that do some server management and Plesk reason like you should be a Plesk person because they just upgraded to Plus 12.5 which is cool because now you can just turn on HTTP2 on your server if you want to uh, which is awesome Uh-oh. and I did it so. <laughs> I'm doing that tonight yeah CSS Trix is, is on HTTP2 now. I didn't make a ton of chance Hopefully it's better. I think it feels better to me, and it's backwards compatible, so it should be fine with HTTP. I don't know that it, I've taken advantage of a ton of HTTP 2 features, but I can now if I want to while getting some 
free upgrades for it, which is which is kind of great. Uh, and PHP 7, which is like way better if you're running some old school version of PHP, like 5 or something, which is from 2004. Uh, there's a lot in PHP 7. So that's just two of the things that I'm doing on CSS Tricks now. And CSS Tricks hasn't been this fast in a long, long time. I'm not even doing any real uh, WordPress caching on it. I'm just like rocking it raw right now because I can, because the server's like killing it so hard. Uh, what? Yeah. Isn't that wild? <laughs> I'm jealous. Okay, go ahead. Oh, I'm just saying. So there's been a lot of updates to their to their VPS service recently, including that, you know, you know, upgrades to Plask, HTTP2, PHP7. It's all that's going on. Anyway, awesome. Good work, Media Temple. Perfect, because I was just about to launch into this thing that's highly relevant. <laughs> To, to you, Val, is there's like not an impasse or or something, but there's like a little bit of like at odds between this this idea that animations can be part of like your brand and making them consistent across that stuff, and and like an idea that like some animations there's just like kind of just like some rules for tasteful ones, like you should probably just like do this because that's kind of a good idea, like regardless. Like don't make a don't make a button transition like two seconds long because that's just stupid because it just takes a long time. There's like some kind of some general rules you just posted recently about like timing ranges for like certain types of information. Now that would apply to not any particular brand but just to everybody. So there's like some rules and some like customized stuff for the brand. You know what I mean? There's yeah. I think a lot of it is like the sort of general rules um, are, you know, just things for having like a good responsiveness, not like the squishy sense, but like things feeling like they're responding to you and happening in a amount of time that feels right, like that timing sense, um, which I mean, timing for animation is hard. It's like, that's one of the, the key things to learn. And it takes time to really get a good sense for that, like regardless of what kind of animation you're doing. Um, so having some kind of range ideas of where might be a good place to start, I think really helps guide people who are new to this and just like, it's easier than a completely blank page, right? You're just like, okay, I'll try this range and see if that helps. Um, but getting to like the more personalized branding bits, I mean, that's where things like your easing choices and, you know, how much you move things, which things you move, that's kind of the more where the chances for getting a certain personality or energy are. Um, and some of the timing stuff, like there's just some things that like, if you click a button, you don't want to take it to take two seconds. Like you said, what's like a, a good, like button hover and button exit, like button leave animation <laughs> setup. Um, like timing wise. Yeah. Yeah. What, what timing function should I be using? <laughs> um, well, I think for like a, a hover thing, you should definitely use, um, I don't know. I mean, for like actual like timing length, you probably want something fairly short, like maybe point like 200 milliseconds, 0.2 seconds, something around there, maybe a little bit more depending on like if it's a, if you want like a slow color fade, you could do that in a longer, um, a longer length. Um, and easing, I mean, sometimes it's a little bit nice to do a slightly different in than an out. I've, I've noticed like just a tiny bit more time on the out is can be kind of nice. It looks a little bit classy. I always think that's huh? confusing too because you got to put the out on the element itself and the in yeah. on the hover, which seems weird because you think, oh, the hover, I'll put the timing on that that I want it to, or the out. I don't know. It just confuses me sometimes. Not that I we can't like figure it out. I always think of hover as like a switch on that one. Like as soon as the hover turns on, it turns on as soon as I hover. So that's the easing it's going to use. I don't know. Yeah. That's how, now that I, now that's that I how described I it, I'm it like, it's not complicated at all. What are you talking about? But it feels uh, no, complicated. <laughs> yeah. I, I like the idea of asymmetrical animations too, of like having things not use exactly the same entrance as an exit. You know, give them a little bit more personality, I guess. All right. Here's another quiz. What if I'm a horrible person and I animate every paragraph <laughs> flying into the page? What one would you suggest there? <laughs> uh, I think you should be banned from the internet. No. Um, uh, I. Why? Why do you want to animate in every paragraph? You tell me, Val. <laughs> it's driving me like. Just I don't know. It's triggering my lizard brain that like wants to like strike the screen or something. <laughs> yeah, like, I would I would not recommend that approach. Um, 
Yeah, I can't think of a I can't think of a case where that would be a good idea right now. O- only f- only for flying toasters. That's the only. <laughs> There's another one that occurs to me is this like along that idea of like certain things are just a good idea whether whether or not they're part of your brand or whatnot. Sometimes I see like you know have you seen the voice and tone thing from Mailchimp where it's like this is a style guide for words and. It's like, we're kind of playful sometimes, or we're this, not that. You know, we're like smart, but not silly, or I don't know. I I forget all the different things that they use. But like, as you're reading through it, it feels like, like not not common sense, not to take anything away from their guide, but it's kind of like there is some common sense in there. Like if you're telling somebody you're about to delete their account, you probably shouldn't make a joke about sundials or something, you know, like it has... Has some stuff like that in there, and and like when you're welcoming someone to a new screen, then it's your chance to be friendly and stuff. And there's just rules that are just like, yeah, like if the entire internet used these rules, that would probably be a good idea. Like, sure, there are, some of the stuff is like pretty specific to Mailchimp, but a lot of it isn't. A lot of it's just like, yeah, you should probably write like this because this is how like human beings treat each other, kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, I wonder if there's some animation stuff that's like that too, that like even if you have bouncy as part of your brand, when you're deleting an account or you're telling somebody they're delinquent on a payment, probably not time for that kind of thing. Have you, you know, dealt with that? It might be just kind of like, oh, these are modals. So these modals are going to get this certain animation, but it's not really taking account like what's in those modals. Yeah. I mean, I think I haven't seen any documentation about that specifically for animation that I know of that's like out there publicly, but I, I, that's advice I give people that are trying to figure out how their brand should act in motion of like looking to those voice and tone documents because those same kind of like cases and descriptions that you use for which sort of copy you might use where and what tone you might use where you can apply that same tone to your animation you know whether it's like like you said if it's like we're deleting your account maybe you try to like cut down on any emotion there or anything that's like high energy or might suggest fun (laughs) you know maybe you just focus on making the like hey we're going to delete your account message like really stand out um, things like that. Like, I feel like there's a very good parallel between those rules for copy and, and rules for animation. Yeah, I guess that's good. I, I like the idea that your, that your, your voice guide might really go hip to hip with your animation guide. Is that any, like a serious tone deserves a serious animation and a, when it's okay to be a little sillier then it's okay to be a little sillier with animation too. And where to be so sober and where to not be, and yeah, it's kind of that's a interesting thing to think about. If you have both of those things, well, I think probably most companies are lucky to have. Yeah, either it's true, but you can also do kind of figure some of that out without having that like a voice and tone document. If you're like, hey, this page is like one of the examples I said was like welcoming people. They've just started uh, established a new account, and this is like their first time at their admin screen. You can kind of even just from that context that there might be a little more room for... You could do it with like a body class name. If you put like <laughs> the class name of Sober on the body tag, then like any <laughs> any animation like just chills it out, you know? If it'd be like body not sober, then apply. Like it apply, applies to all animation. <laughs> I think Val, also, Val and uh, Rachel Neighbors um, both talk about motion audits and I think it's a really nice thing and a really good idea to like before you're even you even start working on all of these things to like take a look around and see what you've already got going on and if it's working in the place that it is and that helps you kind of like get a ring on like wait a minute we're doing things in a few different ways or like this really worked really well in this one place why aren't we doing that in this other place um, I think that's like a really good place to start for a lot of people um, before they even get to the like let's build stuff yeah I think that's a, it's a great way to start if you want to put together a style guide for animation too. It's like you need to see what you're already doing. And you might find that you're doing a lot of things really well. You may find that you're doing things not well, but like whatever you find that you like, you can kind of do that more or do more of that. And then the things you find that you're like, oh, this doesn't fit, you know, it's uh, fancy energetic animation on a sober page. Um, then you can work towards, you know, pulling that out and defining what it is that makes that context the sober one. You know, why is it that that animation doesn't fit? And you can kind of, you know, get some rules or some guidelines for yourself out of there. 
you know, you could write a guideline that's like, hey, in these cases, if we're saying things like this, or if the page is here for things like, you know, sober things, I'm so stuck on the sober thing now, um, <laughs> then we only use this kind of animation. Like maybe you only animate buttons or something. Um, you can use that motion on it to really figure out um, what your guideline should be and maybe even where you have opportunities to use animation, which I think it's really good for that too. So you've both been in in the trenches for different different types of projects of of trying to make this stuff happen. Do you have some like stories from the trenches? Did you start with an audit or like how did how did some things come together? How did they happen at all? Some some real world stuff? Yeah, I guess the most one of the most recent projects I worked on um, was the motion style guide thing with Shopify. And we started with a motion audit for that. And it was me and one of their developers, Curtis. We basically hung out for, <laughs> uh, I think, like a day and just went through like every bit of, this was particularly for the Shopify admin. And we went through like every screen, every kind of like possible combination of things we could think of to find where all the animation was. Um, did little video recordings of all of it. And, you know, then put those all in one keynote file so we could basically see them all in one place, kind of grouping them by like what each was for. You know, there's a lot for a lot of different entrances and exits. So we put those all on one slide um, just to get a, a really good idea of what was out there. Um, and it takes a little bit of time, but what you find from it is really interesting. Like there's probably no one that knows what every single animation in your product is if your product or your site has existed for more than a few days, right? Like things just kind of expand. <laughs> so we started from that and then kind of built rules and guidelines on top of that and kind of picked what we should prototype based on what we found in there and moved on from that. Yeah, I would say that like working working on like a big site versus a small site has been really different for me. Um, I, I can't really speak to some of the things we're doing at Trulia right now because they're underway. But um, <laughs> but I would say I will say that the project that I was working on before this was a site that I built from the ground up, and that was really exciting because we could really really like take a look at things like as a holistic like build the brand at the same, basically at the same time that we were building the animations and pick like the right tools for the job. I think we started off using one animation tool and ended up switching midway because it just, the other tool worked better. Um, and one of the nice things about it was that we had like some really nice accents of animation to explain things on plate parts of the site, which is not something that you always get a chance to do. So it wasn't just UI UX animations. There were some things that were kind of like, here's how our graphs like look and here's like how the the charts look and here's like somebody writing in their terminal and all of the commands that they get back that one was really fun to make because it was like develop it's you know a site for developers they get to see the text animate on the screen as if someone's typing in a terminal and the terminal commit like what the terminal output would right. be so when we say something like it's very easy to get up and going with this database you can actually see like Oh, you just type in that command and it returns this and you're all set. Like, so that's kind of a nice, like, explanatory oh, thing. So, yeah, I think building something from scratch is very different from looking at a giant company where you don't necessarily get to make all of the animations because you're working with 200 developers. Um, one of the, one, the big, like, difference for me has been communication that on a smaller team communication is super easy and on a bigger team design style guides are like nine tenths of the law because you're just never going to be able to talk to everybody yeah that the being able to like yeah being able to communicate and talk with people and even like yeah, that's, I think that's the hardest part on bigger teams. And, and the most, I think it's the thing that the key to like making all of this work, right? If you have some way to communicate with the people who are also going to be doing this. And sometimes it's through a style guide, like you said, like that's the way you get to talk to everyone because there are so many people. Um, but the communication is so key. Yeah, and it, I think it's even like, I, like if I'm thinking about it, it's important even like on smaller teams too in the way that like when I left the company that I was talking about, like I like writing that documentation for the next developer who's going to take my place was just like a way of communicating, even though I wasn't there. Um, so having those things documented is like never bad <laughs> pretty much. 
Yeah, and it would, even if you were still there, it would help future you, right? <laughs> You're like, oh, right. that's what I <laughs> Yeah, like, what, what was right. I doing? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, because we'd never forget why we decided to design or develop something a certain way a few weeks later. Oh, no, never. <laughs> mm. Yeah, that doesn't Actually, sound right. Yeah. Perfect memory. Yeah, I made an animation prototype for this, like, Innovation Week project, and uh, then, like, somebody was like, how did you do this? And I was like, I don't know. <laughs> I'm like looking at the code. <laughs> like, why does this hmm. work? Huh. I guess I maybe didn't put enough coffee in the computer and uh, <laughs> it's just not working. I, so I have another hypothetical challenge question. Okay. Are you ready? Yeah. All right. So imagine I'm the CEO of our company. And, uh, and, uh, we have all decided, yes, yes. It, well, the, the design team has all decided, yes, it would be very good for our company to have a fire breathing dragon on the login page. And it hovers over the login page, flapping its wings, breathing fire, like real web jail fire onto the contact form or the login form. I, we all are in agreement that this is what's needed. Um, how do you convince the CEO? Because uh, animations take time. Like, like I think both of you kind of said, you know, you'll spend like hours just kind of like nudging numbers, milliseconds, you know, how to get the right feel. How do you kind of convince like a, a, a big person how, this, we need this thing. We need this animation to happen and it's worth all the time and monies and weeks. I mean, I think like that, that goes back to like the idea of showing, not telling it. It really is like, um, me explaining and describing why animation is important is never going to be as effective as if I show how that works. And like some of the stuff that Val was talking about when I was doing those quick prototypes of just doing the screenshot and the tiny thing, um, that, that is really useful because, you are only animating the smallest bit imaginable um, in order to get an idea across. Like if it's, if it's really to like show how that is useful, I sometimes do it the way that I'm told to do it and the way that I imagine it to be better. And then I show them both Um, because like a lot of times the, it doesn't in that case, if I'm really like correctly, uh, communicating if they still don't pick mine then that's like a good thing they they saw both and they're like no that's really not what the direction we're heading in but the com- like the communication effect communicating effectively is the nine tenths of the law like we don't we don't want to get into a situation where they didn't pick what we're saying just because we didn't explain it well yeah and then you're building um, and a lot of right because you're like Man, they didn't do my thing, even though I didn't even do anything but whine and stomp my feet about it. If you showed them what you meant and they didn't pick it, like that still might be slightly frustrating, but I think you could probably get over it. You'll probably get over it a lot quicker because you're like, oh, well, at least they considered it or whatever. Like, I don't win every fight that I've ever had, ever. I find when, when presenting when presenting animation like that, the two things you always want to like make sure you get across is like, the purpose of the animation, like, I don't know if the fire on your contact form, you might have trouble finding the purpose for that. But, you know, the reason it's there, what it's meant to do for the user or what it's meant to say, you know, it's, it's purpose for existing. And then how it fits in with the design, you know, whether it's kind of like what we were talking about before, like we're a high energy brand. So I use bounce easing because it's energetic, like pointing out those two things really helps people kind of be in the right frame of mind and understand like why you're suggesting this or what value it could have. And like Sarah said, if they even if they don't pick it, at least that's like one small step forward to educating them on why this might have been a good idea or why it might be a good idea in the future. Yeah, and I would I would say that if you do it well, you actually do have a really good chance. Like if you look at if you objectively as a developer, designer, product person look at it objectively and are like, I think the one that I'm proposing is better. Usually people think that too. Um, but, you know, preparing yourself for, like, not always getting buy-in because people have different ideas about stuff. So, like, uh, when you say, like, animation on the web is important, I think that, like, you know, there's some leeway there. There's, like, like what animation on the web is important and doing it well is important. But, like, it's not – it just like anything else, there's gray areas. There's situations where it's not appropriate. And there's times when it – it doesn't have a time and place and like understanding that the web is a big 
place and like pushing for something that works really well is, is awesome. And understanding that it, it's not always going to go that way is also awesome because <laughs> flexibility is good. Yeah. If you think about animation as like a design tool, it's one of the design tools we have. We have type and color and all those other things too. And maybe sometimes one of them will do, you know, solve that problem better than animation. And that's just how it goes. Other times animation might solve it better. You know, you kind of, you want all these things to work together. So it's not like one can always win. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that the part of the reason why Val and I, I'm going to speak for you about Val, um, talk about this stuff is because uh, animation hasn't really had its place in the sun like type and color have. Um, Like, you know, just in using all of these tools, like some work better than others. I think part of the reason why I'm passionate about it is because I don't feel like people have considered it to its full potential yet. Like there are so many things that it's good at that it, you know, hasn't even been considered for. And when you show people, they're like, Oh yeah, that's, that's right. That would be cool. Um, and you know, if type hadn't had its day in the sun, I'd probably be like, Hey guys, we could use another font other than Helvetica, <laughs> but people are already on that, you know? <laughs> yeah, no, it's totally, totally well said. You are, you can, yeah, I, I totally agree. It, it's, it's really just like the kind of awareness of it and that it, it has potential to be good. It's not always the perfect solution, but Hey, it might help. <laughs> Well, cool. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Chris, did you have anything else you want? Any challenge questions, Chris? <laughs> uh, I'll have to think of some for later. All right. We'll do a part two challenge questions on Chapdog. Uh, well, thank you so much, Sarah and Val, for uh, coming on. We really appreciate that. Uh, before you go, how can people follow you and give you money? And what's one thing you'd like to plug before you go? Val, go ahead. Um, you can follow me on Twitter. I'm VLH. Um, the book isn't out yet, but when it is, you should totally get it. I think you might like it if you like this show. Um, one thing I'd like to plug, I have a, a newsletter that talks about a lot of this stuff. It's called uh, UI Animation Newsletter. And um, yeah, you should check it out. You might like it. All right, Sarah? Uh, yeah, I'm Sarah underscore Edo um, on Twitter. That's uh, a good place to find me. I also do tons and tons of things on CodePen. So CodePen backslash Estras. Um, that's probably the best place to see my work. Um, but yeah, I'm coming out with an O'Reilly book probably late this year called SVG Animations. And um, yeah, I work for this site called CSS Tricks. Maybe you <laughs> want to check that site out too. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, we'll try to dig up a link. Um, yeah, hopefully you can find that too. That's what Chuck said. Yeah, it has a hyphen. Um, all right, so <laughs> thanks everybody for downloading this and your podcast of choice. Be sure to Starheart favorite it up. That's how people find out about the show. And be sure to, uh, yeah, share it on Twitter. While you're on Twitter, follow us on Twitter at Shop Talk Show for tens of tweets a month. Uh, we just launched a brand new best of 2015 page on the shop talk site shop talk show slash dot com slash uh best hyphen of hyphen 2015 and uh if you're new to the show you can kind of catch up on kind of the the best of the best from last year uh, the most listened to episodes all of them were good but those were most listened to uh so check that out um if you hate your job head over to shoptalkshow.com slash jobs and get a brand new one a lot of companies want to hire people with your skills and um chris you got anything else you'd like to add Shoptalkshow.com. 